You are listening to the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast, your daily podcast covering the Iowa Hawkeyes for the Locked On Sports Network, hosted by Andrew Wade, editor at DearOldGold.com. Welcome to another episode of the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast. I am your host, Andrew Wade. It is a gloomy Monday morning here in Denver, Colorado, and we're going to be giving you kind of a full recap, some analysis of the 2019 NFL Draft Weekend. I came to you on Friday morning and gave you some analysis on the TJ Hawkinson and Noah Fant picks, kind of just going off the rails there. Today's episode is, again, going to be a little bit more off the rails. Don't have a lot of specifically planned stuff. I have a lot of thoughts on the Iowa Hawkeyes draft, so I want to make sure that I'm just covering all of that. So it might be a little bit shorter of an episode. We'll see. I can get talking and kind of go on for a while. So um, today's episode is going to be covering entirely the NFL draft. On the future episodes, especially tomorrow's episode, we're going to be doing our weekly Hawkeye roundup, You know, talking about the Hawkeye sports that are currently in session and kind of how they've done over the past week since our big focus has been the NFL draft. We also have a few real segments coming up about the NFL draft, talking about some of our surprises talking to you about kind of projections for next year, some of the players who could be, you know, stars on next year's football team. So we're going to get back to a more structured approach over the coming weeks and coming days. But for today, we're just going to be talking about the NFL draft this past weekend and kind of the instant analysis of those picks, of those undrafted free agent deals, that kind of thing. So before we jump in, though, if you do like the show, if you do love the podcast and you are not subscribed, please make sure to like and subscribe and review wherever you download this podcast at. If you are on Twitter, make sure to follow us on Twitter at Locked on Iowa. You can also follow me on Twitter, Wade underscore Andrew, and you can follow our Facebook group on Facebook at Locked on Hawkeyes. And if for whatever reason you want to send me some feedback or say, hey, Andrew, you're awesome, you can email me at LockedOnHawkeyes at gmail.com. I'm fully okay with accepting any email you send. Um, Love the constructive criticism. Anything I can do to improve the show for you, the listener, I want to do. So, again, thank you for tuning in on today's episode of the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast, part of the Locked On Sports Network. We're going to jump right into it with the first round. And if if you listen to our episode on Friday morning, You heard me talk about TJ Hawkinson and Noah Fant, so I'm not going to touch on it too much. I think the big things here is, um, first of all, Iowa obviously, you know, kind of made history by having two tight ends taken in the first round. I think both those teams are great fits for them, Um, especially, you know, with the Detroit Lions and TJ Hawkinson going to, you know, Matt Patricia's team. You know, he's going to be bringing that New England style offense. He's used to having a solid tight end. Matt Stafford's been wanting a tight end since he's come into the league. They tried Brandon Pettigrew. They tried Eric Ebron. Neither of those guys worked out. TJ Hawkinson is a guy who could, though. He's a guy who can block and catch. And the other guys are more of just receiving threats. So I think not only will he help in the receiving game and kind of take some of the pressure off of Matt Stafford being that guy underneath and also potentially opening it up, you know, kind of the seam routes and whatnot, especially for a guy like Kenny Galladay, who's going to be on the outside at the wide receiver. But he's also going to be able to clear lanes for carry on Johnson, which I think is going to be really instrumental for the Detroit Lions as they try to get back to that more consistent approach, um, both passing and rushing the ball so that'll be a really thing I think that'll be a really good fit for TJ Hawkinson um, when you looked at Bleacher Reports grades or when I looked at Bleacher Reports grades they gave that grade a B plus and that was uh, Mike Tanier I might be saying that name wrong but I do think it was interesting kind of his uh, analysis of the pick and that he said TJ Hawkinson doesn't have as good of hands as a Travis Kelsey, isn't able to take on contested catches or tough catches, and he also isn't necessarily a technical blocker. He's just a really good running and hitting person, which I think is complete garbage. Um, So if you do follow Mike Tanier on Bleacher Report, uh, I would just kind of be 
cognizant of the fact that he probably doesn't watch a lot of Iowa Hawkeye football tape. Um, you know, I think Hawkinson does a great job of taking on contested catches. He didn't get a chance to high point a lot of balls in, you know, the Iowa Hawkeye offense, but he does do a really good job of taking on those contested catches. And as far as blocking goes, you do not play football for the Iowa Hawkeyes if you cannot block. I'm sorry, the no offense stuff, you know, is he a great blocker? Not necessarily, but He's also, he's still not bad. He's a decent blocker. Um, he still has a lot of work to do, but TJ Hawkinson was a freaking beast at tight end in the blocking, you know, roles that he had to fulfill. So that kind of, that judgment of that was complete garbage. But I digress a little bit. The other pick, Noah Fant in the first round, I think was a great pickup. Um, you know, going to the Denver Broncos, they have not really had a tight end, a receiving threat since Owen Daniels and Julius Thomas a few years back. Joe Flacco loves to go to his tight ends. He's, he was a big fan of Dennis Pitta in Baltimore. You know, Noah Fant gives him an opportunity to have that, you know, that big weapon at the tight end position and a mismatch that you can kind of split out wide against small corners. You can beat big linebackers. And Rick Scandrello. Um, did a great job in San Francisco last year working with George Kittle. George Kittle had an all-pro season. So I'm really excited to see what Noah Fant can do with the Denver Broncos. That'll be a lot of fun um, seeing kind of what they do to, with his versatility. And you can tell Noah was just pumped to be a Denver Bronco. Uh, you know, he said that was the place he wanted to be. He even carried an orange square just in case he did get drafted by the Denver Broncos so he could put that in his pocket square and be up on stage repping the Denver Broncos. So love that pick as well. Um, we're going to go to a few messages from our sponsors. I know it's kind of a quick segment. We're going to jump back into Anthony Nelson and Imani Hooker's picks here in just a few moments. So we're going to give you a few messages from our sponsors right now. All right, we are back with segment number two for today, and I, I think we're not going to necessarily do that traditional segment pieces, but as I started talking, you know, I thought we could at least break it out a little bit. So in segment number two, we're going to cover Anthony Nelson and Amani Hooker, their selections in the fourth round of the 2019 NFL Draft. Um, starting with Anthony Nelson, you know, selected for a few picks in the you know fourth round of the NFL Draft. I thought he could go potentially late second, mid third. Um, obviously slipped a little bit, um, and I think a lot of that is because the defensive end class was so deep this year, especially at the top. And then you saw a lot of guys start slipping like Montez Sweat going late in the first round. Uh, I'm not really sure kind of what all happened with there. There were some issues potentially with medicals, um, you know, with his heart condition and whatnot, but I'm not really sure why they all slip. But as people start to slip, you're going to push down other guys as well. So there was a run on other players in the middle of the first round that kind of pushed some of those guys down. Um, you know, six, seven teams got defensive ends in the first round. That leaves just two-thirds of the teams that really need a defensive end. You're not going to invest a high draft pick in a need of defensive end if you don't really have that need. So I thought it was interesting that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were the, the team that actually pounced on Anthony Nelson because he doesn't necessarily fit their scheme. At Iowa, we you know, they play a 4-3. Obviously, they're tinkering with a 3-4 today just because they're trying to, you know, be ever-evolving. But Anthony Nelson is a 4-3 defensive end at six foot seven, two hundred and you know seventy-two pounds, whatever it is. You know he has that weight that you would typically see for a potential 3-4 defensive end. But with that much height, it makes it a little bit more difficult for him to have you know the ability to take on multiple blockers at a time. Uh, I, I think it's a really interesting pickup. He do, he does kind of fit the bill with, for what they're going for, I guess. Though I mean they have Carl Nassib, the guy off of Hard Knocks last year, the Cleveland Browns defensive end who was drafted out of Penn State, um, Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year back you know a few years ago. He's also six foot seven, two hundred seventy ish pounds, uh, so very similar in and size and shape to Anthony Nelson, but not as much of that lateral quickness. I mean, Anthony Nelson exploded on the scene with, and you know, unreal combine times in 
in the short shuttle and the three cone, you know, that kind of stuff. So um, that'll be interesting to see how he kind of fits in Tampa Bay, especially in that 3-4 defense. Are they going to ask him to stay in his lane? Are they going to ask him to rush the passer on third downs? Are they going to ask him to try to eat up blockers for their linebackers, which isn't something he had to do at Iowa? So I don't really feel very good about that pick for Anthony Nelson. Um, I feel like there's a lot of other teams he could have gone to that would have made a lot more sense. And maybe if a Chase Winovich would have, you know, not been drafted by the Patriots, maybe we see New England take Anthony Nelson in the fourth round. But um, he is a Tampa Bay Buccaneer now. I'm not sure how it's going to work out, but we'll see. I do believe that his work ethic is good enough, though, that, you know, he'll he'll put on put in the, you know, the extra game film and, you know, sessions like that to try to make sure that he is capable of playing that 3-4 edge position. But I just don't know if that's the right fit for him. As far as Monty Hooker, though, um, couldn't have gone to a better situation. You know, playing with Mike Vrabel's defense, that New England Patriots kind of tier of defense, um, I'm really excited to see him play there. He's also going to come into an opportunity where he doesn't necessarily need to start right away. Um, They have Kenny Vaccaro at the strong safety position. They have Logan Ryan down in the slot. Um, I think with Mike Vrabel, though, one of the things he can do is really utilize Monty Hooker's versatility, and that'll be huge, Um, you know, as we saw with Iowa, Hooker was able to be a slot corner. He was able to be a dime backer. He was able to be a strong safety. Um, in a cover two defense, he could play that strong safety over top. He can also come down in the nickel and play that you know that third linebacker spot that's technically a defensive back. He can also slide over into the slot. So the one thing I think will be really interesting to watch as this season unfolds is kind of what position he ultimately plays in the Tennessee Titans defense. Do they see him as a slot corner? Do they see him as a you know third down nickel backer? Or do they see him as a strong safety and maybe they can get rid of Kenny Vaccaro even after they signed a four, signed him to a four-year, $26 million deal. So um, that's kind of an interesting pickup. Um, it's definitely a great depth pickup and it's a great long-term future pickup. If you can learn from those guys, I think Imani Hooker has the ability to be a, a very good starting strong safety in the NFL today, but it needs to be with the right team. And I think going to Mike Vrabel's Tennessee Titans team, that's huge as far as you know being in a defensive scheme that's going to utilize his skill set. You know, one of the best things about Belichick is the fact that he finds offenses and defenses that works well for his players' skill sets. It's not that he makes the players fit into his offense or defense. He makes his offense or defense work for his players. Just like in the Super Bowl run last year, you know, they ran, they started running the ball all the time. Rob Gronkowski wasn't as big of a receiving threat. He was a great blocking tight end by the end of his career. Um, they just pounded the ball every single down. Um, that's one of the things you're going to see with the Titans as well, especially with Mike Brabel kind of controlling the defense as a head coach. I'm obviously not the defensive coordinator, but he does have a lot of say in that, having that defensive background. Monty Hooker is going to thrive in that system, so I'm really excited about that. I do think it's garbage that he fell to the fourth round, um, especially considering the lack of safety depth up top. I thought Monty Hooker could go in the late second or early third. I really thought he could potentially go to the Denver Broncos with that 71st pick. They ultimately went with Draymond Jones out of Ohio State, a defensive tackle. But um, interesting enough, you know, Hooker does fall. He does go to the Titans with the fourth round. I do think there's a couple other teams that, you know, could utilize his skill set just as well. But the Titans are a good fit for him. So it'll be interesting to see how that all plays out as the season unfolds. But we're going to take a quick break, give you a few more messages from our sponsors, and then we're going to jump into the undrafted guys. All right, we are back with our final segment covering the undrafted free agents. We're going to do a quick kind of rundown of where those guys are kind of at right now. Um, a lot of things happening. If you are not familiar with the NFL draft process, as soon as the NFL draft is over, and, and honestly, even before the NFL draft is over, NFL teams are trying to figure out how are they going to fill out their undrafted free agent pool. 
Uh, you know, teams like the Denver Broncos, who didn't have a seventh-round draft pick, they start calling guys well into the, you know, well early into the seventh round, trying to get them to sign with them when the draft concludes. So um, a lot of movement comes very quickly. I thought it was interesting that a few guys didn't actually get calls very quickly or we didn't hear very much about them. But we're going to give you a quick rundown of the guys who were not drafted and where they are currently heading and kind of give you some information as to what we think about that. So starting with Nick Easley, um, he is going to be joining the Buffalo Bills on a actual undrafted free agent contract. So congratulations to him. You know, walk on wide receiver, had to walk on to Juco, had to walk on to Iowa, and he's now joining the Buffalo Bills. I think it's going to be an interesting fit for him. Um, You know, that team is not overly loaded at any position per se, especially at wide receiver. They have a lot of guys you would recognize, but not a lot of guys who really elevate the play of a Josh Allen. Right, So one of the guys they signed this year is Cole Beasley. I think that's going to be a really good opportunity for Easley to learn under Beasley. Interesting rhyme there, considering Cole Beasley is also a slot receiver, has a similar background. You know, I believe he was undrafted as well, um, had some really productive years in, in Dallas. So Nick Easley has the opportunity to learn under him. Um, they also signed David Sills in undrafted free agency, which I think is a really interesting pickup. You know, Nick Easley and David Sills don't fit the same kind of uh, – you know, wide receiver role as each other, but they are going to be competing with each other as far as special teams, as far as, you know, getting on the field goes. So um, easily hasn't played special teams since he's been in Iowa. I'm not sure when the last time he did play special teams, he does have that punting background, which will also help when you get a guy that's an undrafted free agency, unless they come out and are the number one wide receiver on your team at the end of the preseason, you know, you're likely going to need to see that versatility with them, the ability to play special teams, the ability to tackle, the ability to do something extra. And I think Nick Easley's work ethic is going to be able to win him that job. I think he probably has a very good chance of at least being on that active 53-man roster this year, if not next year, if he's on the practice squad. So exciting stuff for him. Ross Reynolds is going to be heading to San Francisco, a great fit under John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan. Shanahan runs, you know, that zone blocking scheme that's very familiar to Ross Reynolds. Um, Another guy who I thought could have been drafted, but ultimately wasn't. Um, And I I think he could have fit a lot of different offensive schemes, but he'll be a huge, you know, huge benefactor of Kyle Shanahan's zone blocking scheme. He has an opportunity as well to make that 53-man roster. Uh, Keegan Render is going to be taking his talents to the Philadelphia Eagles. Again, another team I think he could probably make that 53-man roster. A very talented guy. I thought he could go in the 6th or 7th round. I even saw him mocked in the 5th round. Um, as you know, That's as early as I saw him mocked, but I saw him mocked there. So, um, interesting pickup. I'm, I'm kind of bummed to not see either of those three guys get drafted. But neither here nor there. Um, they're going to take their talents to those cities, and they're going to prove that they deserve to have a spot. So, I think those are the three guys who probably have the best chances of being on an active roster come you know the start of the NFL season. But we're going to jump into a few other guys who are kind of uh, not squirming, but trying to find their foothold in the NFL. Starting with Jake Gervas, who I really thought, you know, he put on a great combine performance. He really came on late in his Iowa Hawkeye career, um, a, a solid ball hawking safety. He didn't even get uh, you know a contract. Right now he has a a tryout with the Oakland Raiders next week. They do have some safety issues. I believe they did draft this year Adderley. Um, I'll have to check on that. I believe they did draft a safety, so there's you know not as much um, concern about the safety depth as there used to be. But um, you know that is a really good opportunity. A team that doesn't have as much talent, you want to see guys like Jake Travas go to a team like the Oakland Raiders who need help everywhere. So he can come in if he can play that special teams role, play a backup safety role. Um, John Gruden loves those guys who work 
their butt off. So um, that'll be really exciting to watch him do that. And it wasn't, excuse me, Nasir Adderley. It was Jonathan Abram. Um, so that'll be interesting to see kind of how the Oakland Raiders defense shapes up as of right now. If, you know, if even Jake Travos can manage to take that trial and turn it into a UDFA contract, similar to what, you know, Bo Bowers did a few years ago with the Denver Broncos. The other guys on here, Matt Nelson um, is going to be Joining the Detroit Lions, um, he's going to be converting from defensive line to offensive line, so he'll need to be able to make that transition quickly or at least show that he can make that transition somewhat quickly. He has the requisite size to play offensive line. Um, that'll be a really fun project to watch. Um, he'll also be joining TJ Hawkinson in Detroit, so that'll be also another opportunity for him to kind of get some familiarity with a guy who he's also already knows in that you know from the Iowa Hawkeye football program. Um, Parker Hesse hasn't signed a contract yet, but he does have tryouts in place with Kansas City and Detroit. Man, can you imagine if he gets into Detroit, goes there, plays with Matt Nelson and T.J. Hawkinson? Um, they're going to get some of that good Iowa vibes. And you'll see that you know New England um, is one of the teams that has the most Iowa Hawkeyes on the roster. Um, now you see Matt Patricia kind of bringing in a few Iowa Hawkeyes as well. So um, you can kind of get that feel for what teams really appreciate the value that Iowa Hawkeyes bring. Uh, kicker Miguel, you know, Miguel Racinos has not... I've not heard anything as of yet. I haven't heard anything as of yet of Austin Kelly either. Um, defensive tackle Sam Brinks. Interestingly enough, he has a tryout with the Green Bay Packers. Um, they, you know, they're looking for a replacement for Mike Daniels at some point. Um, could he be that guy? I don't necessarily think so, but um, really cool opportunity. He'll be, a, you know, able to go up to Green Bay, try out for the Packers. Maybe he turns that into a UDFA shot. Um, who knows at this point? I really didn't foresee him even getting into a camp at all. So um, exciting news for him. And then late last night, news broke that Kyle Gronowig is going to be going to Minnesota to do a tryout as well. Um, very Adam Thielen-esque in that sense. You know, a guy who not a lot of people probably have on the radar, but um, it'd be great if Lightning, you know, struck twice for the Minnesota Vikings if Kyle Gronowig can show that, you know, that those four or five receptions that he had in his Iowa Hawkeye career were not, you know, replicable of or not, not understanding of what his you know talent actually is, I guess is a better word for that. So he'll be able to you know show his value as a special teamers um, type person. Hopefully he can get you know turn that trial into a UDFA contract and then torch it you know during uh, preseason as a you know special teams a punt returner, kick returner, you know being a gunner. Um, he has that four four two speed which will be really great and beneficial for him. So if he can turn that on as a special teams player, I think he has a chance at either making you know at least a practice squad, if not the 53-man roster. Um, and if he somehow shows some receiving abilities that we maybe didn't see as Iowa Hawkeye fans, that would be huge as well. Um, probably not the best scheme for him as an Iowa Hawkeye, but um, we'll see how that all turns out. But exciting stuff overall for the Iowa Hawkeyes. Um, a lot of guys in camps, a lot of guys getting some opportunities. Um, we're going to be obviously tracking that as the season progresses, letting you know kind of what players are where, how they're doing, that kind of thing. Um, obviously, you know, the Lockdown Hawkeyes podcast has a lot of stuff to cover over the summer. So as those mini camps go, as those rookie mini camps go, as teams move players around, and we saw Ike Bucker get moved around three times in the span of a week last year. So we'll have all that news. We'll be covering all that and giving you the analysis of that right here on the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast. But that'll do it for our show today. Again, a little bit more unstructured. We're going to get back to a more structured approach going forward now that the NFL draft is kind of settling down. The dust is kind of going away for the NFL draft. So 
If you did like the show, if you have liked the show, make sure you do like and subscribe and review wherever you downloaded this podcast at. Follow us on Twitter at Wade underscore Andrew. That's my Twitter. Follow the Locked on Hawkeyes on Twitter at Locked on Iowa. And follow our Facebook group at Locked on Hawkeyes. That's how you're going to get the most recent updates about what's happening with the podcast. We'll let you know if we're having a special guest on. We'll let you know if shows are going to be delayed or if shows are going to be posted for certain days. We try to get you daily 20-minute episodes every single day, but typically it's more around four out of the five weekdays of the week that we typically get you an episode. So um, that being said, we'll be back tomorrow. We have a great episode coming at you. We'll do our weekly Hawkeye Roundup, cover a few more draft things, some things I want to touch on about that. And then we're going to try to get some more guest interviews coming on, especially from the Iowa United, you know, that – you know, the basketball tournament team that is going to be combining all four of the big universities in the state of Iowa, including Nicholas Bayer and Peter Jock. It is Nicholas Bayer's week this week on the Iowa United's Twitter account. So make sure to check that out on their Twitter account. Ask them any questions you want. They're doing a big feature on Nicholas Bayer. So lots of fun stuff happening in the basketball world. Even though the college basketball season is over, you can still support the Iowa United. If you didn't get an opportunity to check out those interviews, make sure you do. They happened the last couple of weeks with Matt Crawford. They do need our help. So if you haven't voted on thebasketballtournament.com, please do so as well. Make sure you go and support the Iowa United. It'd be really great to see the state of Iowa kind of combine all the universities and put together what I consider to be a pretty strong team, a lot of great shooters. So lots of fun stuff happening right here on the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast. I hope you have a fantastic day. I hope you had a fantastic weekend. We'll be back tomorrow on our Tuesday morning episode. Thank you for tuning in on the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast, part of the Locked On Sports Network. I'm your host, Andrew. Andrew Wade. I hope you have a great day and let's go Hawks.